more importantly, I think a captain would be able to recognize the resources they have and the resources they have include the people they have aboard. And so to bring them together in a way that uses everybody's best strengths um, would make a good leader. Greetings. You're listening to the Bonnie Boat Sailing Podcast. My name is Chris Smith. Whether you're a grizzled old salt, pining for the days of wire rope halyards, or a greenhorn, wondering what the hell a dolphin striker is, this is the podcast that seeks to fill the need for everybody's third most favorite pastime. That is, talking about sailing. Alrighty, folks, welcome to this episode of the Bonnie Boat Sailing Podcast. My name is Chris Smith. Today I have for you a chat I had with Ben and Teresa Carey of Morse Alpha Expeditions, among many of their projects. And I would be surprised if many of you listening weren't already familiar with their work, but in case you haven't been paying attention, Teresa has written for many of the major sailing publications. She has the blog Sailing Simplicity, uh, and she and Ben met while they were both single-handing their respective boats. Uh, and then they went on to make a full-length documentary film called One Simple Question about their trip sailing way up north to find a record-breaking iceberg. Uh, and they then started Morse Alpha, which is a sail training program that teaches seamanship, navigation, uh, and coastal and, and offshore sailing. Uh, additionally, they're now working on a podcast called All Hands, which will be releasing uh, new episodes shortly. Um, and that's just the cliff notes. You can you can find more about uh, their many projects at morsealpha.com and sailingsimplicity.com. And so, without further preamble on my part, I give you Teresa and Ben Carey. So uh, yeah, so I've been I've been kind of aware of what you guys have been up to, um, you know, reading your blogs and, and kind of following along since I think um, Teresa, you wrote an article in Cruising World when you guys were both kind of sailing in tandem aboard separate boats. Um, so I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to you, and and you guys have done a, all kinds of interesting things, and there's a lot we can get into. But uh, I thought we'd start by talking about Morse Alpha. What was kind of the genesis, and what are your goals when you take uh, when you take people out sailing? More self has really been a long evolution because Benji and I both started as sail trainers on other boats and we've worked for a lot of educational programs. So it was a natural flow for us because um, when we decided to downsize from two boats, we each had our own boat, from two boats to one boat, and we started looking at the boats that would be right for us, um, we thought eventually in that search process, which took us over a year, we eventually decided, well, let's get a bigger boat and do sail training expeditions on board. Because during that year, while we were looking for our boat, we were being 
often hired by people who had just bought a boat and they wanted to learn to sail their new boat. So they'd hire us for a couple of weeks to come aboard, help them move their boat to their new home and teach them to sail it. And we just realized that we really enjoy it and we can make a business out of this on our own boat. And that's, that's really how more self has started. Very nice. And what, so what kind of people are, are coming sailing with you? Is it usually folks who are, like you said, have, have purchased a boat and are looking to kind of up their experience? Is it people who are new to sailing? It's both. It's, it's all of it, yeah. We have some people that have quite, quite a bit of sailing experience and then some people that have none at all. Some of them own boats and some of them are planning to buy a boat or anything in between. It's all, it's all types of people, really. Cool. And you mentioned um, that you guys had both started out in sail training kind of in different circumstances. And as I recall, I think were you guys working on tall ships. Is that right? Yeah, I, I did a bunch of tall ships, schooners and square riggers, uh, right, you know, during my 20s and early 30s. So what was it like uh, working on a schooner? Um, you know, I loved it. It's, it's a lot of hard work. You know, I did a, a bunch of different kind of schooners. Some just sailed during the day. Some did offshore passages. So... Uh, each one was a little different and it had a different program, but, um, I loved them all. Um, a lot of them were sail training. So we were teaching high schoolers or college students, um, sailing and offshore sailing and navigation and seamanship and all that. And then some of them were just, um, passengers who were sitting there reading books and enjoying the day. And, um, I mean, sailing those boats is, is they're all, they were all wood, and they all had huge sails, and they all were man-powered. Nothing was electric or anything like that. So it it gives you a good appreciation for the forces that go into sailing, and and it ke- keeps you fit yeah. as well. <laughs> cool. And Teresa, it sounded like I cut you off there. What I know you've done some some uh, some sail training as well previously. What uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I've also done some on schooners and whatnot, but I would say that the 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 bulk of it was with Outward Bound, mm-hmm. the sea program up in Maine, and the Pacific Northwest. Uh, they have little rowing and sailing boats. They're not little; they're thirty feet, but they are open. There's no cabin, and we would have ten students and two instructors living and traveling and sleeping on this open, basically a giant rowboat. They were kind of modeled after like the rescue Coast Guard rescue boats, the early days, cool, yeah. or Captain Vancouver's, when we were up in the Northwest, like Captain Vancouver's lifeboats um, that they took to when they were exploring the islands uh, to get into little nooks and crannies where they couldn't bring their schooners. Um, and so it's that kind of boat. It was really, really uh, a rugged experience, if you can imagine, not having a cabin and being in a 30-foot boat with uh, 12 people and no privacy. You're sleeping like sardines. You lay the oars across the boat and you sleep like sardines across the oars. And so, it, you know, everybody was like, oh, you must camp ashore. But no, we never did. Um, and then also we had no electronics, no engine. It was just sailing and navigating in the purest sense. And so it was pretty amazing. And so how is that kind of all that those various experiences translated into the to the business? I mean, are you guys it sounds like you guys are teaching navigation. Is that mm-hmm. a big part of what you do? Can you talk about that a little bit? 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's what makes our sale training program unique and special. That's what it what it makes it special to me is that um, we're sailing on a modern yacht and we're teaching people who are most likely going to buy a modern yacht or already own one. And um, and so a lot of their experiences has been on modern yachts. But yet we have this philosophy that we bring to it from our days on traditional boats. And so the, the seamanship skills that we teach um, are a blend of both the tradition and the the new stuff that is really um, amazing today. And so we do traditional navigation. We teach them how to navigate without any electronics from the very beginning, from day one. And then usually we don't turn the electronics on until the very last day or maybe the second to last day because they're all going to have them aboard and they need to learn how to use those as well because they're a useful tool. But by the time we turn them on, everybody feels very confident in their navigation skills that it's that they can navigate just as well, if not better, than using a chart plotter. And very often they just turn it on for a little bit just to kind of see how it compares, and then they just go right back into navigating on their own. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And these are all, a lot of times are the same people that are resistant to it on the first day. Like, why are we doing this? The chart plotter is great. Why do we need to do this? Yeah. And yeah. Um, then they find a lot of joy in it. And they also find that um, by doing it, they're also learning other seamanship skills that really apply too. Yeah, I think once you get they get past the hurdle uh, and realize that it's not that hard and you can get a fix in just a few minutes yourself. A few minutes? Yeah. Less than that. Yeah, less than that. Less so. than a minute. Sure. I can get a fix in less than a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's why I do all the navigating. <laughs> uh, yeah, once they le- realize how easy it is, and uh, they they really embrace it. Cool. A few minutes, is a long time, Benji. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Teresa, do you have any? Do you have any like uh, navigators tricks then for for a quick fix? Like, do you do any of the? Uh, you guys use a sextant for like altitudes or anything like that? You get crazy like that at all? Oh, <laughs> uh, we don't often use a sextant when we're near shore. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's enough, especially a lot of our expeditions are up in Maine and there's just a ton of things to navigate with Mm -hmm. islands and whatnot. There's so many up there that you don't really need to, um, use the sextant. So any tricks? I probably have a zillion tricks and you're going to have to take one of my courses. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh, Oh, you put me on the spot. I got to think about it. You, do, you know, we do pull out the sextant on the uh, offshore passages when we're offshore for a few days. Yeah, yeah. And we have just horizon and nothing else to use. So yes. I got gotcha. Of course we do. Yep. Yeah, no, I was talking to a guy um, the other day about, uh, I guess there was an old sea captain up in uh, Long Island who would use a sextant to do like almost like a surveying tool um, when they were laying out uh, like uh, oyster grounds. So he would use it like to, to measure the uh, the angles between landmarks on shore, and then I guess he could get he could get a post really you know like in, in an exact spot, which I thought was kind of interesting to hear. Pretty old school. Oh yeah, that's really neat. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So, so, um, so when I you got... have a trick for you, I've thought about it now. Oh, good, good. I have two tricks that you can incorporate right away if you're navigating okay. by compass and paper. Um, when you're taking your bearings for triangulating and you're taking three bearings in between each bearing that you take, you just leave your hand bearing compass in the horizontal position up to your eye, because every time you drop it down, maybe to jot down a note or something like that, Mm -hmm. that compass card starts to spin again. And it takes a moment 
to settle down and unspin. Gotcha. And so then if you put it down, you end up having these long fixes like Benji does. (laughs) (laughs) If you keep it up, you can do it in under a minute. (laughs) I'm just kidding, Benji. I know. Uh, So that's one trick. No, that's a great one. Then all your your fixes, I mean, your uh, bearings are within 30 seconds or so. A few seconds. A few seconds. Oh, my gosh. Each one is within a few seconds. One, two, three, just like that. And then the other trick is if you are just trying to do a little quick estimation of something, if you put your arm stretched out straight in front of you and your thumb and pinky finger stretched out like the uh, hang loose. Uh Okay. Okay. You put that out. That's 15 degrees. Oh, okay. Proportionally, it should be just about true for everybody. And so with a straight outstretched arm, your wingspan between your thumb and pinky is 15 degrees compared to your eye minus 15 degrees to my eye. Right. right. And so you can then um, put your two hands together, your thumbs together, and that's 30 degrees. And you can kind of get some estimates of angles like that. Okay, cool. Uh, or the altitude of a star. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Allometric mm-hmm. navigation. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. It's also like a good way to be like, oh, do you see that buoy blinking, the light out there? No, I don't. Well, it's 15 degrees yeah. wet of something that we can both see. Yeah. And, you can hold and then the up. other person puts their hand out and they're like, oh, yeah, I see it. Cool. Cool. Yeah, it's good. I like it. I like it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So what have you guys, so you guys have been teaching then for, for quite some time. Um, what have you learned from, you know, through the process of teaching others? Mm, so much. Yeah. I mean, it's been, we've been teaching a long time. I don't want to say how long because I'd give away my age, <laughs> but I started teaching when I was 18, <laughs> teaching sailing. Cool. Yeah. That was my first job. Well, my second job, but my first sailing job. Um. And it's been every year since then. So it's been a long time. So, well, I mean, I could say, what did I learn from that? From the very, very beginning, like I said, I was 18. I learned to sail. (laughs) I came into it knowing some, but not knowing much, not knowing like uh, the fine tuning of the points of sail and things like that. But when you have to teach it, um, you have to know it really, really well to be able to just teach someone the basics of it. Yeah, on on the schooners, we used to have a um a little saying that would that goes like this: it goes, see one, do one, teach one. So you end up, you know, seeing how it's done, then you do it, and then you're right into teaching it. And that's yeah. often often how it worked on the schooners there when we had uh, new crew aboard. You you would just be thrown right into teaching, and that's the best way to learn sometimes. It's by having to explain it to somebody, you really thoroughly learn it yourself much better. And that's when you start to master it. The other thing that I learned about by teaching is that um, um, I, I really hear a lot of people talking about yelling on board boats. Like people are always yelling at each other. If things get a little crazy, a person, I, my partner that I sail with is always yelling when the wind picks up. And what I've learned is that um, that that's usually a sign of that person not feeling confident or not feeling in control. And so by teaching, you never get anywhere when you're yelling at somebody. You just don't. So it just, you just don't yell at people. (laughs) But, um, so by teaching you, we've learned to just be very slow and very calm about things. And it's often surprising to people because, 
our students will sometimes feel a little stressed because they're captain of the day and their their challenge is to navigate through this or do that and they're still learning and it's a healthy stress but we're just really calm because we know that the boat is safe and they can make mistakes and we're still safe and um so i think that's something that i've learned to do through time because of teaching mm-hmm. cool so um i know and probably the another big thing that a lot of folks will have been familiar with your work is, is one simple question. Your, your, your movie about going to find an iceberg, but, uh, so maybe you could guys could talk a little bit about the process of making a movie and, uh, and, uh, and how kind of now that it's been a few years, um, how, if you feel, how do you feel about the movie now that it's been, it's been out for a few years? I'm sorry. What that's... movie? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's almost been a decade. Wow. Has it been that long? Since, well, since yeah. we made it. Okay. Yeah. Made, wow. Got yeah. The movie shot the movie yeah so that's a really a long time ago for us it's interesting because people are still interested in that movie it's um people love it it's a great movie and uh but i look back on it and um people change a lot in a decade and if you don't then you should be i mean you grow and change (laughs) every decade is a new thing and so that person in that movie is not the same person as today for me or for ben i think yeah it's a snapshot of a life Mm -hmm. um so that that's kind of how we feel about it now we (laughs) we don't think about it too much yeah i haven't watched it in a while but we still kind of recite some of the things we'll like laugh at ourselves for certain things about that it is a funny thing when you film yourself and then you edit it over the course of a few years which is how long it took us mm-hmm. um, because we just worked on it in little chunks of time here well, and we there. had a team we weren't the only yeah, ones yeah it's true we did have an editor and, and a director and a director so mm-hmm. um but we, we we heard our lines for a number of years until they they really just stuck in our head and we'll often quote the movie <laughs> as a joke to ourselves mm-hmm but um it was uh it was fun making that movie you asked about the process that was the first my first experience in filmmaking and uh, a director from a production company in florida called doctrine creative contacted us and wanted to make this movie he heard we were doing this trip through a mutual friend of ours and so we agreed and as long as we were a part of making the movie and so i ended up learning a lot through the process Mm -hmm. and now i and and now we do more videos and um and so it's been a lot of fun. And I think we also had uh, a cameraman, Chris. He was pretty amazing because he was a Florida man who n- didn't own a fleece jacket. And we're like, <laughs> you need to pack some gloves and whatnot. Who comes aboard? He's like, uh, hey, do I need to bring socks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, which made him super adventurous. You know, he had no idea what he was getting into. No idea what he was getting into. And he comes aboard to film this and he's suffering from seasickness, but really just a trooper, like continued to work the whole time, even when he didn't feel well. And um, just I think it was pretty awesome to have him aboard and learn from him, too, while he was and just to see him experience this trip on the boat. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, no, that sounds I think seasickness is bad enough, but film looking through a camera and being seasick sounds pretty terrible. I know, it does. <laughs> yeah, we have a classic memories of him filming us and saying, okay, stop, hang on a second. And he throws up over the side. <laughs> and, and then he's like, all right, I'm good. Okay, carry on. Right from where you were, go ahead. <laughs> Another great memory was um, 
we gave him a sleeping bag to sleep in. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't until like the last day where he was like, oh, you're supposed to zip it up and get inside it. <laughs> We're like, yes, Chris, you're probably freezing. <laughs> We'd come off watch and he'd be asleep down below and his sleeping bag would just be on the sole, on the cabin sole, and he would be uncovered. <laughs> so we'd put it back on him and then it would fall off again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds, that sounds unpleasant. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so you mentioned that you've, you've, you're, you've been working on new videos and I've seen that you have, uh, I was watching, let's see, the, the, the five knots that a sailor needs to know on, on the YouTubes there. Uh, so what yeah. kind of stuff have you been working on for that? What'd you think of that video? Did you learn a new knot? I did. I The Zeppelin bend, man, that's pretty yeah. nifty. I didn't know that one. That was pretty nifty. You know, yeah. that got me my first job as a captain. Nice. So. That's cool. And it's not actually not. It's a bend, but you know. It all falls under the same broad category of knots. Yeah, the <laughs> first job as a captain, um, I was, this was at Outward Bound. I got hired, but your first year there, your first trip there, you don't often go out as a captain. And, and I don't think they knew that I had a captain's license. In fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't realize that. And um, and then at one point, Wendy, the program director at the time, comes I was in the bathroom. She comes running through the hallway, Teresa, Teresa. And I'm like, I'm in here. <laughs> she comes barging in and she says, Teresa, you have a license? And I said, yes. And she goes, what knot would you use if you needed to extend the anchor road with another piece of road? And I said, I wouldn't use a knot. I'd use a bend. And she <laughs> said, which one? And I said, probably the Zeppelin bend. She goes, you're hired. You're going out today as the captain. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, that's that's a good uh, that's a good Zeppelin Ben story. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It Very is. Good. I don't have any good Zeppelin Ben stories. Yeah. Well. <laughs> In fact, that's Teresa. That's definitely Teresa's uh, input. She. I. I'd never really used it until you showed it to you. Showed it to me. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. I knew it's it. Really great. Wasn't a go-to until you showed me the kissy fishy part, <laughs> and now I love it. That was that. Yeah, that's that's a very good mnemonic for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so is that and is that kind of what you guys are working on, like instructional YouTube sailing videos? No, we're 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 working on various forms of media. I think Benji and I took a break for a couple years from sailing media, and we're trying to just get back into it. And we're trying to do um, what we enjoy doing most. For a long time, we did blogging. Then we did some YouTube. Um, I did a few. Uh, radio things because uh, I do science journalism now and so I really like that so we might do some more pod some podcasting so we're just trying to figure out our niche like what we like to do most and what need is there like what need can we fill yeah and I and I'd seen I know you guys were doing the uh, the seminar uh, the all hands seminar so I wasn't sure if that's something that you were kind of working up or what what the what the deal with that was mm-hmm. it's still an experiment <laughs> cool yeah yeah but uh, it's getting close. I think we're going to try to release it really soon. Mm-hmm. Just trying to get a couple episodes in the bag before we go live with them. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and that's, that's going to be what, like, kind of panel discussions about various things regarding, you know, like seamanship and that sort of thing. Is that right? Uh, some of it, yes. It's still it's still an experiment, mm-hmm. but yes, <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah, we were. Yeah, we started out doing some live panel discussions. It's kind of complicated, and so I think we're we're toning it down to something a little more manageable. Right, but still discussion based. Cool, cool. No, I and, and I certainly the the thought of having to edit more than two sides of a conversation sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's time consuming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but that's actually something I've been working on this week, so it's it should be coming soon. Cool. Well, I'm definitely excited to uh, to check that out when it uh, when it when it's available for sure. So, you know, you guys have you've done a lot of sailing. You've you've trained a lot of sailors. Um, you've you've done a lot of sailing on a lot of different kinds of boats. Um, if you were in a position of kind of looking for like a modest family cruising boat, what uh you know what would you be looking at now? You think? Hmm. I know Teresa's answer. You do? Yeah. Oh, what? A North Sea 27. <laughs> oh, well, yes. Yes, of course. Obviously. Um, yeah, I love the North Sea 27. And that's a modest family cruising it's boat. It's very modest at this point. <laughs> do you think yeah, that's the, the... big enough for three of you? Yes, definitely. Okay, cool. Very nice. Because... Um, I mean, how much time when you're sailing do you spend cooped up inside a cabin yeah. if you're really enjoying the life? Mm-hmm. Right? It should be outside the, outside of the cabin. But also, it's just a really well-designed boat, so it's very comfortable. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if if we could have any boat, I'd really like to try the North Sea 37. Oh, yeah, that's true. Cool. I don't think, I've, I don't think I've seen one of those. Yeah, is, that, is it the same, same kind of – it's a Lyle Hess, I assume. Is that right? It is the best combination of the Bristol Channel Cutter and the North Sea 27 as far as design goes. And, um, you know, because we've owned both right, now. Right, right. And so uh, we have our favorites. And really, it's not one boat or the other. They both are better at this or better at that, you know. And so the, the North Sea 37 is a great combo of, of the best features of both. The problem is, is they've only built two hulls. And I don't think there's ever been a completed boat, to my knowledge. There's one, somebody working on one, but yeah, the, you just can't get them used, there's, obviously. There's no, no one's, they bought, I think they, they built three hulls and they lost two of them. And there's one that was being built in Southern California or, you know, finished out in Southern California privately. But uh, I think he ran out of money. Gotcha. Yeah, that, yeah. Nobody should like count on us as the knowledgeable ones about what happened to those boats. But That's all we know. Yeah. Sounds but like we've a, seen the design. You know, Lyle has his design. We've mm-hmm. seen we've seen his interior layout. And we've seen the line drawings, and it's it's pretty sweet. Because every boat it's a compromise, and uh, now we know after having sailed so many boats, we know what features we really really like and what features we don't like, what we, we want and what need. we don't. And then, so when we look at all these other boats, we're like, what would be, what do we want? And you can never find a single boat that has all the best things that you want. But I think the North Sea 37, it seems like, based close. on the fan, on the plans, that it comes pretty close for us, at least. Yeah. Cool. And what, like, so what kind of factors are you considering? I mean, is it uh, hull form, how the rig is laid out, how the interior is laid out? What, what's kind of your uh, your thought process there? Well, so of course, it's all those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, the size is just about right. It's a little longer, and uh, but not too big. I think... We, when we were searching for a boat for the two of us, we were looking in the high 30s. Right. And then um, at some point we decided to, to do the business, to run, start the business. So we went for a slightly larger boat. But if it was just a family, we'd definitely be in the 30s. Oh, yeah. We don't need um, anything bigger than 39. No, definitely not. So, so yeah, 37 is a good size. And, and it's got a wonderful layout. It's got a center cockpit on a 37-foot boat, which is pretty unique. So you get mm-hmm. that that North Sea has a beautiful cockpit. That North Sea twenty seven. So has the a- North Sea twenty seven has the best cockpit ever. 
And it's like a little nest. It's very cozy. And the nice thing about it is the aft cabin, you know, it sticks up Mm -hmm. and therefore can make like a backrest for you to lean against. But Lyle Hess was like, why make it perfectly vertical? All these other boats make it vertical. And you try to lean against something that's perfectly vertical and you end up getting the top edge of it just jamming into your back. So he says, I'm going to incline it just a little bit so it's the perfect angle for your back. And you can sit there for hours so comfortably cruising cruising along. Mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. 37 has that same cockpit, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, aft cabin backrest in the cockpit, which is pretty sweet. It seems like it's something so silly, but when you it's... when you're going on passage, you spend so much time in the cockpit sitting there. It's important to be comfortable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so what are and what are your guys' um, personal sailing goals? Are you uh, are you looking at doing some more uh, cruising with the family here soon? Yeah, we definitely want to get Haven out for some cruising. Mm-hmm. We don't know when exactly, yeah, but yes, yeah. it's on the table at some point. He's a little young right now. We don't need to cruise right now maybe days well yeah overnights would be fun yeah we were talking about doing some overnights this summer in maine with him well like anchoring overnight yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Sail. but sleeping on the boat for a few days yeah, yeah. sure cool but as far as kind of big cruise with him i think maybe when he's a little bit older we'd like to take a sabbatical and just have a family adventure where do you think where would you like to go if, if, if you have that opportunity well i'll tell you something i've always dreamed of sailing over to the europe and uh exploring over there so Maybe that would be what we do. What do you think, Ting? <laughs> I want to go to the ice. She wants to go to the ice. Anywhere there's well, ice. Well, we can go to the ice on the way. <laughs> okay. A little bit of Newfoundland, a little bit of Greenland. I have, of a feeling, I have a feeling that we're going to get to Europe and live there before we ever go on a big sailing adventure with the Over boy. there, right. Yeah. Right. You, I mean, you're more like you just want to be there. Getting there is. It's just a way of getting there. Right. Yeah. But I want to sail amongst the ice. You want to sail amongst the ice. Well, certainly in 2021, we're going to go back to Newfoundland. Yeah. Cool. cool. Uh, and is that is um, is that kind of like a guaranteed ice thing, or is it, does it depend on the year? Uh, up in Newfoundland, for yeah. sure. That's the definite thing. Definite. Cool. Now, it's just icebergs, not actual ice ice. Right, right, right. you got to get up to Greenland for that. Which would be lovely. But... Um, icebergs right yeah yeah icebergs off newfoundland yeah that's pretty that's a definite cool um what about um places that you've been i mean do you guys have a favorite place somewhere on the you know say the east coast of the u.s it sounds like you spend a lot of time in maine well maine is our favorite place yeah that's the spot it's it's a pretty amazing i've never sailed there but i have some we have some good friends up there and it is it's an amazing place it is beautiful and penobscot bay area and the coast of maine and all the islands the further down east you go it get, it's really amazing. You could go, you could spend months in Maine and anchor in a different place every single night, and it's beautiful every time. And sometimes there's these lovely little fishing villages, and sometimes it's just a deserted island, and it with a really rocky granite shore. And um, the other thing we love about it is it's got so much variety that every day is different. You could have sunshine. One day and a few hours later, it could be thick fog and drizzle and you could have wind or no wind. And so it's just an adventure the, the whole time. Even though we've gone there year after year, it's still something new every year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a good spot. Yeah, very nice. Um, good challenge. Yeah, yeah. The people are wonderful. Yes. Yeah, we do like culture yeah. up there. Yeah, the Mainers are good good folks for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. So when you guys, um, you guys are kind of in the in the business of of, of giving people sailing advice. Um, have you ever received what's is there like a good piece of advice that you have received? Uh, a and then B. What what kind of advice would you have for someone who's uh, kind of getting ready to start? Maybe take take their their own boat offshore for the first time. Hmm. Hmm. This couch is so comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've received a lot of good advice. I know. You know what? When you're a woman, everybody wants to give you advice. Such the case, unfortunately. Yeah. We used to, when we used to sail the two boats in tandem, Daphne and Elizabeth, we'd pull into spots and and um, people would be asking how we do it, how how I do it, you know, on our boat. So they'd be talking to to me as you know, thinking we were sailing on the same boat. Right. Right. How do you guys do this? Or what do you guys have on your boat? Blah, blah, blah. And I say, well, you know, on, on my boat, I have this. But Teresa, what do you have on your boat? Mm-hmm. And I, I'd have to really go out of my, my way to, to bring her into the conversation as the boat owner, the captain of her own boat. And when the best part is, is when they'd realize it, they'd say, oh, you're on your own boat. And I'd say, yeah, I am. And then the next thing they'd say is, and you're not afraid? <laughs> yeah. But then Benji, if he was afraid, he was alone on his boat too. Right, right. <laughs> but that doesn't answer your question no, at all. No. <laughs> we were on a tangent. Just launching. Um, what advice do we give other people, and what's the best advice that we got? Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I'm not really sure what the best advice that I've gotten before. Um, Benji, <laughs> what advice? Well. Um... I think as far as advice we always give people, that's that's a little easier to comment on. Go ahead. Um, we always say that... I'm really on the edge of my seat here. Are you? Yeah. Good. Me too. <laughs> um, that it's really great to sail with a, a bunch of different people on a bunch of different boats mm-hmm. before you actually purchase a boat, if that's possible. Um because you you just learn so much about what you need and what you don't need as you when you do that. Uh, we also I'm sort doing of, so, with, so there's a caveat about who you sail with. Right. So sometimes the advice I give people because people want to sail on other people's boats to gain experience, which is a good thing to do. But I always tell them, you can and you should ask for the cap the skipper's resume for their sailing experience and for a recent survey of the boat so that you know that you're going on a safe expedition because anybody can own a boat. Anybody can call themselves a skipper. You have to, you don't have to have any sort of experience or know-how or anything like that. And there's no, nobody checking on the boat to make sure that it's sound. Not like, you know, there's no inspection process for at least recreational boats. Like there's, a minimum standard for a car say you have to have certain things but um so yeah you can ask for a recent survey you can ask for a resume you can ask these things and really any skipper who is safety conscious would have no problem providing that information in some form yeah mm-hmm. no that sounds like good advice i know i i crewed on a boat uh in the caribbean 1500 a few years ago and mm-hmm. and that was kind of what that, and they have you know that people have opinions about rallies and all this, but you know they have pretty stringent safety um, inspections and safety gear, and that's required. Which certainly, as yeah. a crew member, would definitely made me feel uh, feel better about the whole the whole process. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. We're familiar with that 1500. That's a, that was a good choice to crew on a boat there because it is vetted. Yeah. Although yeah. I didn't have a good experience with it. No, that's true. You didn't, did yeah, you? Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good segue. Why don't you guys got any wild sea stories that you uh, you feel uh, feel inclined to share? Well, thankfully, I avoided the wild sea story. Yeah. But I was I was supposed to go on a trip, an offshore passage. I'm going to keep it vague because um, I just out of respect for everybody involved, I think. But. I was supposed to go on a passage and I got aboard this boat and we're getting the boat ready for a few days to get to go on this trip. And the person who owned the boat was very adamant about being the captain. I think it was he'd say, I'm the captain. I have the final say this, this and that. And um, he owned the boat and his first few passages that passages that he did, he hired someone to be the captain. And so this one he didn't. And um, I mean, I don't mind being not the captain. I've been captain plenty of times. And so I'm just like, okay, I'm crew. Whatever you need me to do, I'm happy to do it. Stand watch and cook and things like that. It'd be fun. Um, but the the more we went on with preparing for this trip, I started to feel very nervous about it because I started to notice um, streaks of water and I would ask can we trace where this water's coming from and the response I would get was like oh it's gonna be fine don't worry about it um streaks of water in the cabin yeah yeah, yeah. in a locker in the cabin yeah mm-hmm. and um and so it would just kind of dismiss my concerns and it's gonna be fine trust me it's fine and so another concern I has, had was I didn't think we had enough vegetables on board. <laughs> and, um, well, certainly we had enough food. We weren't going to die or anything. But you want everybody to be healthy and regular. And right, right. So that they can, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so it's important. Not, it is important, <laughs> yeah. Because you want a great experience, not just to get there. You want to, in one piece, you want to get there with joy. And so um, I was like, oh, we need more vegetables. And it was like, no, no, it's going to be fine. And. Um, so this was going on like that and I eventually just kind of felt drained by it and nervous and a little bit put down that my concerns were being addressed or even answered and I couldn't really articulate it well enough how I was feeling and I just was like this just doesn't feel right and I decided not to do the trip and um, and I'm really glad that I did because it was a big learning lesson for me in learning um, that even though I wasn't the captain, I wasn't in charge, and I was trying to be re- respectful by accepting what he said, and um, that there's a fine line there. Like I saw a real, con- I had a real concern, and whether or not it was something to be concerned about, the the a leader would never let me just let just let it go like that. Yeah. You know, like, there's a real concern there. They're gonna listen to it, and they're gonna respond in such a way to alleviate those concerns or address those concerns or fix whatever the problem is if there actually is one um and so it was a good lesson in leadership for me when i was trying not to be the leader i could still have articulated my concerns a little better i could have kind of brought the group together in a different way as just a crew member and ultimately as a result they couldn't do the passage because they set out and had to come back because there was uh, water above the floorboards, oh, that yeah. much water coming in. Yeah, uh, They had a major leak, actually, that needed some reconstruction wow. in the mass partners. Wow, yeah. So And so that's kind of the, 
the the example of what not to do in terms of leadership, right? What um what do you guys think makes a good leader aboard aboard a boat? Mm. Skips, it's all you. <laughs> um, I think a good leader um, doesn't ever yell, <laughs> hands down. Um, but a good leader is a someone who can facilitate a group to go on this passage and everybody feel like they had an important contribution to the trip and everybody feel like they were a part of it and that they got there with some sort of joy and togetherness. And, um, and that might mean, you know, you have, at least on our trips, we have people with all sorts of different experience levels. And like I said, some of them are very skilled and used to being a leader, used to being running their own boat if they they and their partner own a boat. And then we also have people that are used to just taking orders or sitting back or have never been sailing. And um, so we just make sure that everybody has a voice and that everybody's respectful of the other person's voice. We kind of set up a structure so that we don't have to tell people, oh, be respectful. You're not being respectful. They're just, the structure's there, and people just follow the structure. And in doing so, everybody just kind of comes together as a team, listens to each other, supports each other, learns from each other, or teaches each other things, even if they didn't know that they were capable of doing all of that. And it's pretty amazing to see them um, think – oh, I can't be captain of the day. And then they make an amazing captain of the day. And it happens every time. It's really amazing to see people who think I could never do that. And then they, then they actually do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's super rewarding for us as instructors to see that happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's not, not our, not because of us, just because people step up into the role and they, and they can do it. And it's, <clears throat> and it's also not just stepping up into a captain role or a role that they're maybe nervous about doing like um, steering the boat for some people or navigating, have the responsibility of being the navigator or for some people it's cooking. Like they're like, I, you don't want to eat my food. I'm a terrible cook, but everybody does all the jobs. And, um, and it's, and then for some people it's challenging to step back from those roles, those more dominant roles that they're used to being in control of and letting go of that control. And so it's, it's pretty amazing seeing people work together in different ways that they're, than they're used to. Mm, yeah, just a slide. Sometimes people call our, our program couples therapy on the water. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny because um, we had these two friends, they're a family, and they were they sailed into Annapolis a few months ago, and we were hanging out with them quite a bit. And they asked us something about, like, fighting while you're sailing. Like, how do you guys, you know, what do you do when you're fighting while you're sailing? And Benji and I looked at each other, and we're like, we actually don't ever fight when we're sailing. Like, we we don't. We work really well together in that situation. Yes, when we're sailing. <laughs> when we're not. <laughs> um, and I think it's because we've established this structure for our program that we also just kind of use even when we're not on a course, even if it's just a sailing. Mm-hmm. Cool. Maybe we need to establish that structure in our life at home, too. Probably we should, yeah, especially with the baby. <laughs> Um, Haven's captain of the day today. Yeah, every <laughs> day. <laughs> That's right. I was going to say there's this really great article in in Wooden Boat magazine that we we often like to reference about um, the bounty. Have you ever read it? It's they to kind of deconstruct the bounty uh, sinking. What's the name of the article again? I can't. Ooh. remember. Written by Andy Chase. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Actually, I have it right here. Let me just tell you yes. what it is. Um, because right, we yeah. have a ship's binder we keep on board and mm-hmm. we're 
right now in the middle of making our ship's planners. So. Lessons of the Bounty, Drawing Experience from Tragedy, it's called. Wooden Boat Magazine. Wooden Boat Magazine. Andy July Chase. 2013. Yeah. It's like a really to... great article. Cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll pull it up and, and link to it. Um, I'd like to read it for sure. Anyway, he goes on to talk about um, how the captain needs to use all the resources, all his personnel as resources, and, and get mm-hmm. get assessments from them on the condition of the vessel and the condition of the, the crew, their team. Even the rookies. Yep. And um, just ha- how important it is to not be the sole the captain not be the sole uh, one who keeps all the all the cards in his you know in his hand mm-hmm. hidden from the rest of the crew and how right. the crew is there to support each other yeah there's this idea in um yachting or maritime that the captain is the one in charge and the captain makes all the decisions but i actually think that a captain who feels that way about their job is a little bit foolish because no no single person knows everything about everything in every situation and is always healthy or fit or tight or alert enough to make all those decisions all the time. I mean, that's a tall order. And so um, it's a little bit foolish to think that anybody could, any one single person could do that. More importantly, I think a captain would be able to recognize the resources they have and the resources they have include the people they have aboard. And so to bring them together in a way that uses everybody's best strengths um, would make a good leader. Mm-hmm. There you go. Cool. There's that's, your that's good. Yeah, that's great. Great stuff. <laughs> got there finally. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's good. That's good. Um, so I, and I, I want to be respectful of, um, of your guys' time. I really, I really appreciate you, uh, you taking the time to, to talk to me. Um, so maybe you could just talk about, um, where you guys are headed with the business next and, and what kind of, uh, what kind of projects you have in the works and, and where people can, can find you online. Well, um, the business we're, we we did sort of take a break last year because we only did four trips. We had Haven; he was brand new, and uh, so we're. And I feel like the year before we kind of did the same thing. Well, I was pregnant the year. You were before. pregnant, so it feels like we've had a couple of just real um, light years. And then the year before, we had to replace our engine. That's right. It's, it's so just we've been had a, three really right light, light years, years yeah. in a row. Um, and so I feel like we're just ramping up again and mm-hmm. and getting things going. So this year we've got ten trips on the calendar. We're heading back to Maine. We're going to make the run out to Halifax and um, a couple other nice offshore trips. And next next year, we're looking at 21 already, and we're talking about doing the Marion to Bermuda race. Oh, cool. And and also getting the boat up to Newfoundland and possibly doing a circumnavigation of Newfoundland. So that that's kind of where we're heading with the business. A little more offshore stuff, but still keeping it a mixture of offshore and coastal because we always believe that the real challenges are where the at the coast, where at the where, interface of land and water. Yeah, I mean that's where you got to be on your game twenty four seven. Right, right. And so that's that's really where we like to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also where most cruisers spend most of their time. Like you'll right. do a passage, and I know the open ocean is a big mystery, and uh, um, people want to experience that mystery for the first time under the under the guidance or um, with someone who has experience doing it and that's important but also there's just so many skills that can be learned right at the coast and it's pretty amazing a lot of times we'll get people aboard who um say that they're advanced sailors they just want the offshore part but then they're really struck by how much they learn right on the coast like in the coastal training that we do 
because we always have that as a component of every one of our expeditions and it's a really robust program so yeah it's pretty it's pretty everyone's pretty sleepy by about eight eight o'clock <laughs> keep, we keep going all the time it's cool but then we make the cookies and then they yeah, get their do, second yeah. wind yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um yeah that's that's kind of where we're headed so uh, some some bigger passages um offshore stuff and but still remain maintaining our coastal um mm-hmm. component cool cool and where can people find out find you guys online morsealpha.com m-o-r-s-e alpha a-l-p-h-a very nice well uh yeah thanks again guys for for sharing your time and i, and I did just want to nerd out about boat names before before we close it off because i remember yeah. seeing, seeing somewhere that rosinante is named after a spaceship is that right that is correct. There's a song by the band Rush from way back in the 70s, I believe, um, where they, you know, back in the 70s, they were doing prog rock and it was all these full length albums that told a story. Right? Yeah. So yeah, it, was, yeah. it was the whole story about a spaceship going off and the spaceship was named Rosinante. And, and the spaceship flew, got flew into a back hole, black hole and ended up on Cygnus, this planet Cygnus. And, um, all the gods of love and beauty were and fighting in art. art. We're fighting with the gods of science and reason and, math. and um, about the best way to live. And the, the, the one camp was frolicking in the forest and didn't have enough to eat or would be cold when it was rainy or whatever. And then the other camp was in their cubicles, but they didn't ha- you know, like, have any joy. Exactly. And so, the captain of the Rasinante flew to Cygnus and said, well, you need a balance. And, um, and so they they tried this balance and they're like, this is amazing. And they crowned him King and the King of balance. And it all happened. The first line was on my ship, the Rasinante headed to the galaxy. So that's cool. I like it. That's a, that's a great, it's a great, it's a great name for a boat. That's a, it's cool. (laughs) Well, Rasinante also what means workhorse. And it was Don Quixote's yeah, horse. That's right. Yeah. I know it. And uh, so my um, my wife and I, our boat is called Firefly, uh, which is named after oh, yeah. Yeah, the the what? Um, really? <laughs> the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Teresa loves that show. Oh, yeah. It's, yes, it's Benji, best. we gotta watch it. I keep telling <laughs> I've never seen it, so what? Oh, yeah. Man. yeah. I keep telling about it. It's oh good. yeah, good. Yes. I, I think Firefly came out when I was like schoonering heavily and I was just offshore all the time and I don't Maybe that time period in my life, I wasn't watching anything. Yeah, I, I saw it well after the fact, but it's uh, it's you know spaceships and sailboats. I think there's a good uh, there's a good you know connect the dots there. <laughs> it's a space western. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, so then our dinghy is named after a spaceship also. Oh, if we're talking about spaceship boats, our dinghy is named. Tantive, which was yeah. Princess Leia. Ah, oh yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm I'm a Star Wars geek myself. I know it. I know it well. <laughs> so, is it Tantive or Tantive? Ah, uh, that I couldn't tell you. I have, I've never uh, studied the pronunciation, but uh, yeah, but yeah, that's a pretty uh, yeah epic opening of a movie. Anyway, exactly epic. <laughs> so cool. Well, um, that's great, guys. I really like I said. I really appreciate the time. Is there anything you want to uh, anything you want to plug or add or anything I haven't asked you that you are you're excited about these days? Uh, Haven walking yesterday, but I think we already talked. Told you that. <laughs> yeah, we can tell you that. Again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's about it. I think we're good. <laughs>
There you have it, folks. Ben and Teresa Carey. Thanks again to them for taking the time to speak with me. I feel privileged to be able to call people up and pick their brains. Uh, if you're considering some offshore training, check out their website, morsealpha.com. Uh, I was perusing it just now, and they've got a few, uh, a couple great-looking trips, uh, and I think the emphasis on traditional navigation skills really sounds like a lot of fun, and I think it would be really useful. Uh, and it's something I may consider myself one of these days if I can figure out how to take uh, some time off during my, my busy season. Uh, and as always, I am surprised, humbled, and grateful that you kind folks are listening in uh, and hopefully enjoying. Uh, and if, in fact, you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave a rating and a review. I'm currently in an escalating ratings war with the Litzenberger's Sailing Podcast, so please deliver victory to me. A few quick takeaways from the chat. One piece of advice they had was to sail with lots of different people on lots of different boats uh, to get a feel for how things can be done differently, uh, for better or for worse. Uh, which reminds me of a saying, which has been occurring to me a lot, uh, which I assume comes from uh, the Navy, about someone being one ship stupid. Uh, and that is being dogmatically tied to a certain way of doing things just because that's all you know. Uh, so, you know, going out of your way to sail with different people certainly sounds like good advice. And, uh, and I'm hoping to do some, some sailing on a number of different boats uh, and with, with some different folks this coming season. So we'll see how it goes. Um, Secondly, you'll have heard Teresa say the phrase finding joy a few times in the podcast, uh, whether she was talking about traditional navigation, seeking new challenges, uh, or the difference between simply arriving in one piece uh, and actually having arrived with a, having made a successful passage. Uh, and that's obviously the goal of a sailing trip. If, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I assume it's because sailing is something that brings you joy. And while the opportunity to experience discomfort is always there, I think it's helpful to hear someone with the amount of experience that, that Teresa has, you know, to say it's not just about getting from A to B. It's not just about getting from A to B safely. It's about getting from A to B with joy. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. Until next time. <laughs>